This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. The show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Wednesday, May 24th, 2023 and the end of week 65 of the Russia-Ukraine war. It's been 3,374 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27th, 2014 and 455 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, open-source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, The border incursions and temporary occupation by Russian partisans have highlighted weaknesses within the Russian Federation Armed Forces, with questions openly asked on Russian state media on how this could have happened and the state of the military, causing an information space crisis for the Kremlin. Second, there is an extreme risk that Russia will launch a large-scale retaliatory missile strike on Ukrainian civilians and civilian infrastructure over the next 48 to 72 hours, dependent on the weather and with the scope limited to available inventory. Third, Russian tactics have validated our assessment that the Kremlin has moved to launching a small number of missiles on a more frequent basis and targeting areas with little military value but that are appealing to an internal audience as proof of continued successful operations. Fourth, we maintain that private military company or PMC Wagner Group's leader Yevgeny Prigozhin's claims that Russian proxy forces have fully captured Bakhmut are dubious. Fifth, the rift between the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, and PMC Wagner Group continues to disrupt Russian military operations in the Solidar and Bakhmut operational areas, resulting in territorial losses on the flanks and Prigozhin's announcement that PMC Wagner will withdraw from Bakhmut on May 25th. However, there are no signs that this has started. Sixth, Ukrainian forces have stopped their retrograde operation in Bakhmut and continue to hold two pockets of defensive positions within the city. Seventh, In preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. Eighth, weather models indicate that Bezdorizhia, or mud season, will return by the end of May, leaving conditions unfavorable for significant military operations through June 5th. And finally, 
We've identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, and Russian mercenary mill blogger Wargonzo reported continued fighting in the area of Masyutivka, with Russian forces suffering significant losses. In the Kupiansk operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian surveillance, reconnaissance, and sabotage, or DRG, units were operating in the area of Orlyansk. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. In the Kremina operational area, Wargonzo claimed that Russian forces made marginal gains in the direction of Nevsky, but did not provide photographic or video evidence, and no other Russian or Ukrainian source reported significant fighting in the area. Ukrainian source Deep State reported that Russian forces continued to make gains in the Serebryansky woods in the direction of Hryorivka on the south bank of the Seversky Donets River. We did not adjust the war map as the advantage they recorded is already in alignment with our existing line of conflict and may represent tactical gains and losses as Russian and Ukrainian forces trade defensive positions in the same area. Russian and Ukrainian forces have been fighting over the same defensive positions for months. In the Lysychansk operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces made repeated attacks in the direction of Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk, and were unsuccessful. In northeast Donetsk, the GSAFU reported a Russian attack, quote, in the direction of Khomova failed. North of Bakhmut, Wargonzo claimed Ukrainian forces made marginal gains in the direction of Yahidne without photo or video evidence, so we did not adjust the map. In Bakhmut, Ukrainian sources claimed that Ukrainian troops still held limited positions in the area of the MiG-17 statue and the eastern edge of Khomova. Russian sources have not provided any photo or video evidence of their presence in the area of the former MiG-17 statue, with most victory videos contained to the areas east of the railroad tracks. Colonel Serhi Chedavati, Operational Command East, or OKE, spokesperson, said, quote, We hold a number of buildings in Bakhmut, and we also have fortifications, trenches, and strongholds there, including in the southwestern part of the city. This is a small bridgehead in the area airplane, which is kept to prevent the complete capture of the city by Russians. And there is an opportunity to deliver ammunition and everything necessary for defense. End quote. Deputy Minister of Defense Hanna Malyar stated, quote, The activity of the enemy's offensive actions in the Bakhmut direction decreased somewhat. At the same time, the number of shellings is consistently high. In the city of Bakhmut, the fighting has subsided, the enemy continues to clear the areas under his control. Our troops control the southwestern outskirts of the city in the airplane district. End quote. PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin reinforced that Wagnerites would fully withdraw from all operational areas in Ukraine by June 1st, saying, quote, PMC Wagner should, as correctly as possible, transfer Bakhmut to units of the Russian Federation Armed Forces. End quote. Adding that if the Russian MOD is unable to do this, it will discredit the Kremlin leadership while proving that PMC Wagner has the most effective troops. 
We estimate that Ukrainian forces maintain control of approximately one square kilometer of Bakhmut, or a little under half a square mile. That's roughly 1.8% of the city. In the Klishivka operational area, Russian forces attempted to regain lost positions in the direction of Ivanivsky and were unsuccessful. Ukrainian forces cleared more of the forested tracks west of Klishivka and east of Stupochki, and we moved the line of conflict south and east of the Seversky Donetsk Donbass Canal. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, the Russian First Army Corps made another attempt to advance past the railroad tracks east of Novokalinove, but was unsuccessful. Organzo reported that Russian forces also continued attempts to advance on Avdiivka, also without success. The commanding officers of the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd platoons of the 110th Brigade of the Russian 1st Army Corps surrendered along with 25 surviving members of the company after they were sent to the forward line of friendly troops, or FLOT, with only four magazines each for a three-day rotation. This is in addition to the 22 1st Army Corps Storm Battalion members taken prisoner the day before near Pervomaisky. The GSAFU reported that the 1st Army Corps continued their attempts to advance towards Sieverne through the no-man's land north of Vodiana, suffered heavy losses, and retreated to established defensive positions. Undaunted by multiple failed attacks and surrendering troops, and clearly unencumbered by reason, the Russian 1st Army Corps attempted to advance into Pervomaisky from Pisky yet again, and, as was expected, suffered heavy losses and returned to defensive positions east of the E-50 highway bridge that divides the two settlements. In the Marinka operational area, fighting for Marinka continued within the remains of the city and the area around it, with Russian forces launching 30 attacks throughout the day. Moving on to Zaporizhia. Russian forces conducted 92 fire missions, three airstrikes, and seven drone attacks on 23 settlements along the line of conflict. In the Huliapola operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian DRG units were operating in the area of Olkhivsky. Ukrainian sources reported that rockets fired by HIMARS struck a building housing Russian Federal Security Service, or FSB, troops in occupied Zaporizhia, killing 10. We cannot independently verify the claim. There had been no update on the status of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant at the time of recording. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that eight vessels of the Black Sea fleet were on patrol, including two frigates capable of launching up to 16 caliber cruise missiles in total. In western and central Ukraine, Russian forces conducted 64 fire missions, firing 271 artillery rounds, mortars, Grad and Smirch rockets, drone-delivered IEDs, and bombs. The city of Kherson was attacked 11 times with 47 munitions. In Kozatsky, a mortar strike killed one civilian, and in Lvova, an artillery strike killed a pensioner and wounded a 49-year-old man. In occupied Kherson, Holoprisan was shelled, sparking a significant fire that was visible from the west bank of the Dnipro River. On the Russian front, in the Bilgorod operational direction, Russian and Ukrainian sources reported that partisans with the Free Russian Legion and Russian Volunteer Corps 
conducted incursions into Gorkovsky, Zapovka, Bogun Gordok, and Shetinovka, expanding cross-border clashes to a front 45 kilometers long. At the time of recording, it was unclear if Russian partisans occupied any of those settlements. In the Graivoron operational area, Russian forces regained full control of Graivoron, Gorapodol, and Zareche Pervui. Fighting continued in Glotovo on May 23rd, with a video showing Russian Colonel General Alexander Lopin personally commanding defensive efforts in what appeared to be a staged video. Free Russian Legion partisans withdrew from the area throughout the day, with Russian forces establishing control of Glotovo. Russian partisans also withdrew from Kozinka, with Russian state media staging damaged vehicles to exaggerate claims for internal optics. We left a small forested area west of the border checkpoint as contested based on reports from PMC Wagner and an audio recording shared by Russian sources of continued fighting. Belgorod Oblast Governor Vyacheslav Gladkov announced that the counter-terrorist operation regime in the oblast had been cancelled but residents were still not cleared to return to border communities. Russian sources reported that the territorial defense detachments in the Bilgorod region were unarmed, which was allegedly the cause of the delayed response to the border incursion. The mother of an 18-year-old conscript soldier alleges her wounded son was drafted in November 2022 and was assigned to Unit 91711 which was, quote, scattered to various points to guard the border in February 2023, leaving 25 troops, including their commanding officer, to guard an area 45 kilometers long. Kremlin Press Secretary Dmitry Peskov was going through some things, with Russian state media unusually aggressive in their questioning. Peskov told reporters that President Vladimir Putin thought the incursions were, quote, unimportant, and the Security Council would not be meeting to discuss the border situation. This is in sharp contrast to March 2023, when small incursions into the Bryansk region lasted only hours, but resulted in an emergency meeting of the Security Council, sharp statements from the Kremlin, and a retaliatory missile strike on civilians and civilian infrastructure. Peskov refused to answer questions about the size of the force that crossed into Russia or its composition, if there were still Russian partisans operating in the Bilgorod region, and why it took so long for there to be a response to the attacks. The Kremlin press secretary also refused to comment on why over 10 billion rubles were spent on static defenses in the Bilgorod region, and why they failed to prevent the attack. Assessment here. As we've said before, grunts with guns take territory, and grunts with guns hold territory. Most Russian Federation armed forces are in Ukraine, and the Russian MOD lacks the personnel to protect another 750 kilometers of the border. No amount of poorly cast, non-reinforced half-height dragon's teeth tossed on the ground without cables, razor wires, minefields, etc., 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 will provide a secure solution. PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin, looking for new ways to be relevant, condemned the Kremlin and local Bilgorod leaders in an interview, saying, quote, Several months ago, when I announced that I would train fighters in the Bilgorod and Kursk regions, several things happened. First, Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu called me and indignantly said, Don't meddle, Yevgeny Viktorovich, where you shouldn't. The Russian army itself is capable of defending the borders. And second, there were several meetings with regional governors who also asked that they do it themselves. So how can we, as they say, get into someone else's wheelhouse? But when they f*** everything up and people take to the streets with pitchforks, of course, then we will come and defend. 
What can we do? This is our motherland. Bureaucrats. It's their fault the enemy is breaking through. End quote. Some assessment. Prigozhin did accuse Bilgorod officials of attempting to block his training program for military-aged men who work in critical jobs, but the program was also ill-received by business leaders and residents, with only very low numbers of people volunteering. Further south on the Russian front, near the Novoazovsk border crossing from occupied Ukraine to Russia, a man blew himself up with an IED after border guards attempted to detain him. Russian officials have not identified the person and, at the time of recording, had not accused Ukraine of an attack or labeled the incident as terrorism. Let's quickly talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Germany offered to transfer Taurus cruise missiles to Ukraine, with Bundestag deputy Roderick Kiesewetter telling reporters, quote, Ukraine's partners must now go all-in and provide Ukraine with everything that Ukraine can use in combined arms combat, and that is permissible under international law. The aircraft subsonic cruise missile Taurus KEPD is an analog of the British Storm Shadow. At the same time, its range is up to 500 kilometers. End quote. Germany also announced another military aid package, which includes a TRML-4D aerial survey radar system, two Bieber armored bridging vehicles, 54 vector reconnaissance drones, eight anti-drone systems, 17 heavy trucks, seven semi-trailers, 34 pickup trucks, and eight Zetros trucks. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.